Hello, I'm John Bates, and welcome to my podcast, Hope for Today, where I inspire to live with heavenly perspective and kingdom mindset. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoy. Hello, and welcome to Hope for Today. Glad to have you. If you're watching, thank you for being a part of this. If you're listening, um, again, thank you for being a part of this, and I think this is going to be an exciting time today. We're talking about something that uh, maybe you don't hear a lot about, but it's all around all of us in every nation, and that's pornography. And today, I, uh, my guest, I'm excited to introduce to you Aaron Zent from uh, California. He's in Redding, California with Bethel Church, and he also has a, a, some ministry there, has an outside job. So Aaron, welcome. Thanks for having me. It's an honor to be here. Well, thank you, and uh, I'm I'm looking forward to get getting involved in uh, what we're going to talk about today. But you have an exciting ministry there. You've written a book. Uh, tell us the title of your book. Yeah, it's called "Numb to Known: uh, The Surprising Path Away from Porn." Okay, so he's going to talk about. Uh, both of us will be talking about freedom from pornography addiction, right. and uh, what's the best place for them to reach you? How how can they reach you? Yeah, they can go to zintsquad.com, and that's where, um, like, you can, there's a link to the book, but that's on Amazon as well, and then just kind of everything that me and my wife, uh, we're, we're a team that do a lot together. Everything we have to offer can be found there. Okay. Well, thank you, Aaron. Uh, Aaron, I remember the first time I saw pornography, I was 11 years old. You're, mm -hmm. You uh, probably have studied pornography a bit more than me and how it affects and everything. Is that about the normal age for a guy somewhere in there? Uh, statistically, or, depending on which statistics you find, uh, yeah, it's about 11 uh, years old and that those statistics will change every year. And unfortunately the average age is down. typically dropping. Yeah. Right. Uh, how about for girls? Is it the same age? Uh, you know, I don't know the stats specific on that. I think the what I've read was it was uh, like children. They just said children in general, yeah, children. Uh, which is, and, I mean. Uh, yeah, when, when I was growing up, pornography was really um, a man's issue, but no longer. Um, it's it's yeah. a people issue. Yeah. And so um, I, I was delivered from a pornography addiction. In fact, in March, I'll be speaking to... Um, several hundred pastors in Egypt no, on no, pornography because it's still kind of taboo in the church there, but uh, it's a problem yeah. and it needs to be dealt with. And for here in the States for a long time, it was a taboo issue. In some places it still is, but I think it, I think we need to deal with it more, hear about it more. We as a nation, the United States, I guess we're still the greatest perpetrator of pornography on the world. Um, you know, we, it's uh, awful what we have hoisted on the world as a, as a once really strong Christian nation. So I think we need to talk about this, especially in church, uh, yeah. not and in church, but especially in church. So Great. tell us, uh, if you don't mind sharing your pathway, what happened in your life? Yeah, you know, I had grown up, I think the first eight time I saw it was about seven years old, and it was uh, a magazine, but nonetheless, uh, and then it was probably about, a few years later that I saw a video for the first time, a few years after that was like internet became prevalent right. and accessible. And so um, I grew up with it uh, from a very young age. And, you know, when that happens uh, during very formative years, uh, it changes uh, or shapes the way that you see the world. And so it's not just um, 
I did something bad at a young age because a lot of times for kids, like they don't even know that they're getting, it's not like they're choosing into it. Most kids are, uh, right. it's being um, displayed to them either accidentally through the internet or from a friend or from somebody else. And so um, it really is this, this thing that begins to shape the way that we see the world. And so um, that was true for me as I got older. I, I grew up in a Christian home, but I wasn't, really pursuing the Lord or didn't, it was all about getting to heaven and that was pretty much it. Right. Um, and so my, I had no desire to stop looking at porn, to stop searching for it when I had the ability to do so. Uh, but it was, I, when I met the Lord when I was 16, like I had an encounter with God at my youth group. And, um, that was the first time that I began to feel a conviction around it. And I really wanted to pursue purity, um, and pursue wholeheartedness for the, towards the Lord. And so, I had a stint of time, a couple of years where I was, I was just praying for people. You know, I read Bill Johnson's book when heaven invades earth and I was just gripped by the supernatural and, um, and what was possible. And so I had a ton of things I was going after, uh, with a lot of good friends really connected. And, um, it was after those two years of, I had a good chunk of sobriety, like just, I had no desire for it. I mean, there were times where I felt a pull, but I mean, I had a lot of willpower at the time. Um, but what I began to see after I graduated high school and I moved away, uh, moved to Reading, um, it was all the things that were that were beneath the surface that hadn't been addressed yet. Um, and because I hadn't been looking at porn, I had decided within myself, like, oh, it's it's a it's totally done. Uh, like the behavior itself is is finished, so I have nothing really to worry about. Um, in right. In reality, what was uh, what I began to discover over the course of the next 15 years that I've been up here um, is it slowly started coming back into my life. Like it was a lot of small compromises that kind of like grew and grew and grew over time. Uh, and yet what I found myself in the middle of being married, like I met my wife up here, we got married, is man, I just it felt uncontrollable. I was continually going to it. I'd go in like these three month cycles of like, I'm solid, I've got this under control. And then boom, I acted out, um, and so forth. It's just kind of this repeated cycle. And so, um, I eventually right. joined a group of men who were all going after the same thing. Um, but what I found there was really what changed my life. It was this radical vulnerability that these men had in sharing in a small group with each other. Um, these are the, these are the dark things in my past. Either these are the secrets that I'm still holding on to. Um, they, they were just gutting themselves on a deep, deep level. Um, and in what I realized over the course of time and really how, what my book is based on now is that, uh, porn wasn't, porn itself wasn't the problem for me. Uh, porn was one of the solutions I had found to the real problem. And the real problem, right. as I just heard over time was isolation, passivity, and pain. And these three, these three things that I discovered that as I pursued um, connection as I pursued intentionality, as I pursued healing for the pain, um, I began to uh, I began to find freedom in a way that I didn't think was possible. In that my heart was beginning to get full in a way that I didn't have to go af- I didn't have to go after something to fill it. Like you know, this uh, proverbs right. uh, to the hungry, anything bitter is sweet. And I found for the first time, like oh, these these bitter things no longer taste sweet. Um, and so it's been a process over, over the last 10 year, 10 plus years that I've been in this group, but a process of like uncovering new things in me going like, 
well, I didn't realize that was there. Let's address that. But doing it in connection and community with men um, and just continually pursuing healing and learning to take good care of myself uh, that I begin to find real freedom um, that sustainable and life changing. Well, thank you for sharing that, Aaron. That's a uh, really intriguing journey you took, and I'm glad it uh, ended well. Ending yeah. well, meaning you're helping other people now. Yeah, the scripture yeah, yeah. I want to read that that relates to this: First Corinthians six eighteen, flee from sexual immorality, which pornography certainly falls into that category. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pre, uh, pre-internet. So pornography yep. for me was still pictures, um, <laughs> you know, just a magazine and yeah. didn't really get to store it because I lived in a pastor's house. Yep. So, um, with the internet, um, a lot of young people, their first experiences with sexuality are with pornography, They're multiple kind of... views on pornography, and it is part of their exploration uh, if they masturbate, they want to have pornography with them. Uh, how does this affect their sexuality? How are you seeing it affect this this upcoming generation's sexuality? Yeah, that's a great question because uh, it is a really it is a unique uh, way that it does affect people having uh, one an endless stream of novelty. Um, the right. it's there's always more. There's always new, um, and then the. Um, outside of like having it pictures and things that you have to really go after, you don't have to work hard to get a giant right. Right there. that you used to be able to get only from like working real hard to go find it somewhere. And like, I would always right. search homeless camps, abandoned homeless camps or have to root through somebody's house. Uh, like when they weren't around to try to find this stuff. So there was a lot of like intentionality around there. Now it's just like you open your phone, like when you're in the bathroom and it's available right there. Oh, there's a couple, um, different things this in it's called a super normal stimulus uh in kind of the psychology world in that like a big mac from mcdonald's is a super normal stimulus um there any kind of thing that delivers an extreme rush of dopamine to the brain um that isn't really found in the natural world uh is a super normal stimulus and the the constant use of a super normal stimulus dumps so much dopamine in your brain it actually begins to like shut down receptors. And so that normal things in life aren't exciting anymore. And so you'll find a lot of, a lot of people in their, when they're married and their sex life, they can't uh, connect with their partner as easily because they are so um, uh, familiarized with all the craziness of porn that is so outside of what reality is in a relationship that it's difficult to actually um, be with their partner and present and enjoy the partner sexually because they've just been accustomed to something that is just outside of the natural realm. So it's right. it's like doing I only eat ice cream, and then somebody goes like, "Hey, here's broccoli. Here's nutrients. This uh-huh. is actually going to help you." And you're like, "Oh, this tastes oh, this tastes awful. Like, let's dump some sugar on it, and maybe it'll be good." And so what I found right. for myself, and my wife, and I've heard this from many men that I've worked with, is that they they couldn't actually be even be turned on by their wife because they had it was just so much their brain was so stuck in in pornography and what right. they were finding there and you get what's uh, this guy Andrew Bowman um says calls a pornographic way of relating with the world a pornographic view of the world and it's it's one where how do i get my needs met now right how do Very i selfish doesn't it 
yeah, yeah, that's and that's the word he uses is it's very selfish. It's very me focused. And I'm honestly, from the decades of looking at porn, I'm still untangling the selfishness in my own uh, sex life with my wife that I realized yeah. even recently, like, oh, this this part of our sex life where like the communication around it has been so focused on me, me, me. I didn't even realize that that was just another lens that I'm just continuing to undo. And the Lord is just like taking layers and layers and layers. You know, there's this, there was a moment, there's moments where the Lord comes in and does something, boom, just like setting the Israelites free. And then there's the, now I'm in the promised land. How do I live this out and continue to right. hold orders? And these are some of the things that it feels like the Lord's still doing, but we got men, um, men who are in their twenties, early twenties, dealing with erectile dysfunction as a result sure. of continual porn use. Um, and which is never, that was never a young man's problem. Sure. Um, right now it is because of that. And so you have a lot of different things going on in the brain, a lot of different things going on physiologically, and then a lot of things going on spiritually and emotionally that are very destructive to how a normal, mutually beneficial, mutually loving connection with another human being is supposed right. to be. Right. Well, while that's insightful, back to the scripture, it says, um, concerning sexual immorality, again, porn falls into this, all other sins a person commits, all kind of things we could do wrong are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. What does that mean to you? How do you define that scripture to people? Um, yeah, I'd say that because like sexuality is so tied on so many levels um, that when we are the the process of like having an orgasm and what that does to the brain the kind of chemicals it releases like the an orgasm is meant to bond two people and this is like the way that god you know i believe god right. intended it is that you and your wife um would experience an orgasm and the oxytocin that the chemical release is meant to seal and bring you together in a way that nothing else can so having an oxytocin right. release of that magnitude by yourself, let's say if you're just looking at porn or even, you know, sexual immorality, sure. um, uh, acting out with somebody outside of marriage or any, even when like dealing with guys who go to massage parlors or see prostitutes or things like right. that. Um, it's a, there's a bonding that happens, um, with an, a person or an object that was just never meant to. Um, and what that does is that like, I, it's a, in a spiritual way, it kind of like starts to form soul ties. Um, and Chris Valton has said this, a pastor of my church had said, you know, when, uh, when somebody had, when two people have sex, it's like gluing two boards together. Uh, and when they get married, it's like that same thing. And when you try to pull that apart, little pieces of each board are left on the other, um, that mm. the, the glue binds them together in a way that they're, when you pull them apart, there are going to be pieces left. And so that's what like sure. soul ties look like. It is harmful to leave yourself in all these places where you've created soul ties or even with a computer screen to leave soul right. ties with all these nameless, faceless people um, over years and years of this that you've given yourself away, but also like acting out outside of pornography have uh, taken on other people and in a way spiritually that just you weren't meant to hold that much and to take that much on. It just makes it really difficult to walk through the process of healing uh, that needs to happen. So. That's kind of how I see wow, that. What a, yeah, what a great answer. Thank you for that. That's uh, extremely insightful. Right. Um, give us the title of your book again. Uh, yeah. Now people probably are like, wait a minute, I didn't write that down. What, <laughs> yeah. What's the title of your book again? Yeah, Known to Known. The Surprising Pathway. Known to Known. Yeah, Known to Known. Yeah, that, 
That's great. I'm sure you're going to want to get this book. Um, you may say, I don't know anybody with a porn problem. You probably know a lot of people with a porn problem uh, because it's Statistically, a, a, a you big know a lot deal. of people with porn problems. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a common denominator, yeah. unfortunately. Yep. And so um, in writing this book, what has it done for you when you see people read this book and, and they're helped by it? What does that do to you? Yeah, I, I, I cried the other day um, getting a voice memo from a, a buddy of mine who's he was doing coaching and different things like that. He's a pastor oh. at a church, and he had sent me just kind of like a testimony of a guy who had read it. And, um, and I cried because it was like at the heart of what I was hoping would happen with this book. I know that just right. reading a book or just hearing a sermon is not going to fix anyone. Um, there's going to, but there, I know the hope in these things is that the Lord will use it to start someone's healing process, someone's healing journey, right. someone's journey into like a wholehearted living. And so I had hoped I have uh, like four, five sections in the book. Um, the first one just talks about, hey, porn's not the actual problem here. It's all the reasons we want it and all the reasons right. why it fills a need that it should never have filled. And the the next sections are, oh, I didn't know I was lonely, isolated. I didn't know I was passive. And then the next session, I didn't know I was in pain. And and so right. when I, my goal in writing this book was to have people, guys who are struggling and, and women, I directed it mostly towards men because I knew that was largely my audience um, that I'm connected to. However, I know this is right. a universal problem. But uh, to, I wanted people to, in their own journey, to go, oh, Oh, I didn't know I was lonely. Like the people who are isolated, like me, I had no idea I was isolated. Um, and there's lots of reasons for that that I dive into in the book. But to discover that and realize I need connection. I need connection right. so bad. And then to actually do something about that or to realize, oh man, my my passivity, the way that I've avoided things because I've been so scared of them has cost me so much. What am I going to do about that now? Or I didn't realize that I thought I had such a good life. I grew up in a Christian home. Like I shouldn't have had I, pain. Um, and then to discover, oh, that stuff is in there. And that kind of discovery is how I get I get excited and it touches my heart. To, because when somebody goes, oh, Jesus, I have pain. He's like, I know I've been waiting to take right. that from you. And for and I, I've been help waiting to put the lowly in a family. But if the lowly doesn't think they're lonely, like I'm going to show you family and you're going to reject it. Um, and so there's so many times uh, I've, I've heard multiple people now say like, oh, I didn't realize I was lonely. And that's that's really what it does for me. It just goes, OK, I know that guy now at least has a direction to go. Um, and Lord, right. I can't see what kind of fruit comes from that. That's incredible. That has to be really rewarding. Um yeah. Perhaps, or I'm sure there are people watching this and saying pornography is not my problem, uh, but it's my spouse's problem. Either my uh, husband or my wife, they're dealing right. with pornography issues, and I know about it. They know know about it. What would you say to the spouse of a person struggling with pornography? Yeah, um, I would say, one, uh, as, as difficult and painful as it probably is to know this, um, it's not actually about you. As in, and right. not not to dis invalidate pain, but to say um, they're not doing this because of a deficiency on your part. Even if some some guy, you know, some guys think that, oh, if I just had more sex, I wouldn't need this. I have right. discovered myself. You can have an abundance of sex 
Uh, you can have an abundance of sin-free orgasms within your marriage, and it will not fix the isolation. It will not fix the pain. Um, and so uh, if orgasm was the was the answer, sex addicts all around the world would be the healthiest people hmm. in the world because they're getting right. a lot. That's true. And so um, I, I would say them like this isn't a thing about you. And, and at the same time, they're in any kind of addicted addiction um, there, especially when the person is married, if one of them is addicted, there is a system or a, an ecosystem, uh, a cycle or rhythm that has been created within your marriage that probably needs to be addressed outside of just them working on the pornography problem. Um, but when me and my wife do coaching with couples and this is their experience, um, we want to take each of their couples person's part and hand it to them because you can't fix your husband or your wife's pornography problem. However, whatever needs to be addressed in you, you have, you have control over that. You have the ability to bring right. change there. And so I, I would just say, um, one, like, I know it's going to be easy. It'd be easiest to take it on as shame of where you're failing However, that's not the case. But at the same time, um, whatever you can discover that is your part to play in this relationship that needs some repair or needs some change, take as much as that as you can. Your best day is when you have a friend or a counselor say, hey, you're 51% of the problem, because then that means you have 51% right. of the solution. And so take as much as you can, because the better you can get internally, the more um, the more whole of a person you're going to bring to your spouse and uh, that will uh, honestly give them space to do the work they need to on themselves. So um, I would also just say, man, I'm so sorry. I know how painful this is. Um, I've talked to more than enough people and through the many tears that they've shed around how difficult this is to be in a relationship where this is a prevalent issue and your pain is valid and um, you deserve to be known in that and to have somebody a walk alongside you, people, a community, even your spouse addicted to walk alongside of you to to get healing and to find safety and trust in this relationship again. Right. Well, thank you, Aaron. That's a very empathetic answer. I appreciate that. Now, uh, there are guardians watching, grandparents, parents. How do you, what do you teach people? I, I hear different things about um, use of computers and cell phones for children and teenagers. Um I mean, it's, it's, it's a mixed bag. So yeah. what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, you know, there's a great book that just came out by Exodus Cry, which is an organization doing a lot of work on um, ending the, uh, not ending pornography. Like they understand this right. is going to be around for a long time, if not forever, but to uh, lessen the impact that it has on kids just discovering it. So they're working on legislation to combat that. They're working Good. on information um, and they're doing amazing things. So they, they, one of the guys who is like the founder of it, Benji Nolet, had written a book called Raised on Corn, and it came out real recently. Um, but in it, he gives a lot of practical examples. And there's actually a ton of great books and resources out there. Moral Revolution um, has a lot of great resources on that. And anyways, I, I would tell them, um, hey, you can't just hope that nothing shows up. Uh, because right. they're, it's going to happen. It's going to yeah. happen. Uh, kids are... You, you need to, like, we want to dispel the idea of having the talk and ha create the idea of having the talks. We This is needs to be an on sexuality right. and um, understanding pornography and the things that are out there. It needs to be an ongoing conversation, and you need to create a safe place. If your kids, grandkids, right. whoever you're in charge of, 
um, if they feel safe with you, they will it will reduce the amount of shame that they feel when they encounter something that like pornography or sexual activity with a, another person or uh, whether that be like a, a peer or an adult and it's actually sexual abuse. Uh, the the lowest amount of shame that you can bring to the topic of sexuality, the more safe they're going to feel coming to you and wanting to stay connected when something happens. Um, and so I, that's the first one. Just create a safe place where like, hey, this isn't uh, your sexuality. is not something to be ashamed of, something God created, but it's something that um, you don't want to uh, be all alone in. Uh, like just to have somebody who is a safe place is, is first and foremost. But honestly, then porn blockers like are a legit right. um helpful option especially when you have kids um to monitor it to put uh good boundaries around it and to to download the software necessary to make it difficult like it, it's not gonna right there's no porn blocker that will guarantee effectiveness and because there are ways around it however you want to make it as difficult as possible um to protect the people around you I like that, and I like what you said about um, not just a sex talk, but yeah. ongoing conversations and yeah. talks. Um, a lot of what I hear from parents now that have kids in school, teens in school, is uh, their kids are really hijacked by porn. Hey, look at this, you know, yeah. right, yeah. right in totally. their face. Um, you can't help but see it, and kids are curious, oh, totally. and so um, it's there, and that's that's so unfortunate. But yeah. you've given us so many practical things today um, with a spiritual heart that really wants freedom for people. And I yeah. just thank you, Aaron, for who you are and for what you're doing. Uh, do you have a next book in mind? I do. Yeah, already. It's an, um, But it's probably one my wife and I will write together around marriage okay. and uh, being co like being connected, working through communication, conflict, things like that, that we're we currently teach classes and do things like that. And we're just really right. excited to see marriages heal uh, on many levels. So that'll probably be the next book. Okay, great. Looking forward to that. So again, here's Aaron's information. Want you to follow him and check out his book and look forward to his next book. Aaron, thank you for what you're doing in the kingdom. You're making our world a better place and I wish you well. And to those of you who are with us today, thank you. This is uh, really an enlightening subject. You've done a great job, Aaron. I appreciate it. Thanks. John. I appreciate that. Yeah. Okay. Well, everybody have a blessed week and I will see you next week. Thanks for listening to Hope for Today with John Bates. Let us know your thoughts by leaving a review. You can subscribe and share these episodes wherever you listen. You can connect with John through Facebook, Instagram, and at johnbatesministries.com. Have a blessed day.